From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what is good and what is great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 69 tonight and we are talking about sci-fi film Cosmic Sin. Came out in 2021, it's fresh off the UFO mothership, sorry. Uh, In this episode we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus a bit of a deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Cosmic Sin is directed by Edward Drake, who also co-wrote the film with Corey Lang. So turn back now, if you haven't seen this movie... Have a quick squiz at it, get your eyeballs over it, <laughs> and then shoot back over to us. Morning, morning. And hear what we have to say. Morning, morning. Uh, Cosmic Sin is about seven rogue soldiers who launch a preemptive strike against a newly discovered alien civilization in the hopes of ending an interstellar war before it even begins. It does star the one and only Bruce Willis. We have looked at a couple of Bruce Willis film, sci-fi films so far. Uh, classic Fifth Element. That's wonderful, brilliant film, wonderful film, and um, surrogates, surrogates, Sur- surrogates. The replicas <laughs> is the Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, yeah, surrogates, which is also a really good film about cloning, kind of detected stories. Yes. So this one's quite different, a uh, bit of a sort of you know human race versus a newly discovered alien race. But good old Bruce pops up again. We all want to see Bruce on the big screen, don't we? I do, and I, I want to see him getting back to what he's great at. Yeah, we want to see that that acting ability that he does have, he that can bring tough real, man ability. Eh? Yeah, that, that real sort of visceral, raw, uh, rough-edged hero mm. is what he can do. What was your number one takeaway from Cosmic Sin? Sorry, no, My number one takeaway from Cosmic Sin, <laughs> it's always important to have an awesome operation name. Ooh, and this okay. one had Operation Cosmic Sin. Yeah, that's right. And I... I just about clapped my hands when I heard him say that. <laughs> okay, let's begin Operation Cosmic Sin. Yes. And I was like, whoa, that sounds so badass. It does sound badass, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they're going to destroy. Why not? Could be genocide. I mean, why not? <laughs> that is a cosmic it's sin. It's a sin. So um, tell me, though, was it hope? Is this a warning or an experiment? I think warning, again, we've looked at a couple of sci-fi films that I think have this theme that humans are always going to be violent. We're always going to turn to violence. And in this film, definitely, like I said with the synopsis, these guys want to stop a war from happening before it begins by kind of pushing that bomb. It's always a bit of a dilemma, isn't it? It's like, do we act uh, as... Human, sorry, are we humane <laughs> in our humanity or are we just going to nah, push the button first, blow the crap out of it kind of thing and ask answer questions later? So this film all delves into that. I think it's also a warning in that maybe 
you know, we're going out into space, which that the start of this film, we're mining stuff, we're taking over planets. And yeah, because it goes up to 500 years in the future, uh, we fight each other. We fight colonies of, of humans, but I guess one day we will run into something else in the universe. And what's, what's that going to actually be like, you know, because maybe that first species like this film sets out to, to suggest is that, it's not that first species may not be friendly because them themselves are going to be spreading out into the universe, right? Yes. So the type of species that's doing that, a little bit like humans, might be a bit aggressive anyway. Oh well, yeah. There's there's certainly, and we'll discuss this later, I'm sure. There's a, a strong you know, train of thought that, in fact, what they do in this film, which is you know, charge in all guns blazing. Mm is a genuine strategy we should consider yeah. when we meet yeah. aliens. Yeah, yep. So what was your first impression? First impression was um, I really liked the the graphics on the opening. So that yep. was kind of a, a little sneak peek at what happens later on in the film. Yeah, yeah. But there's a book I, I, I meant to look it up. So there's a book of science fiction art right. that I remember reading through when I was a kid. So I think it was done in the 70s, mm-hmm. and if you saw it, you'd know it. It's, it's like that famous kids' cake book from Woman's Day. <laughs> like if, yeah, if yeah. you've been in Australia and you've, you've probably seen the Woman's Day cake book, mm-hmm. uh, which has got all these different ideas for kids' birthday cakes, basically. Yep. And, I'd, you know, people I've come across all around Australia have either had this book or seen it or wished they could have had a cake from it. <laughs> yeah. And this and they sci- made a play about it a couple of years ago. Oh, as well. Yeah, this, yeah. So this sci-fi art book, though, is one of those ones as well where every nerd worth his grain of salt has sat there looking mm. at the images of, of these sort of fantastic scenes of mining and space yeah. battles and uh, luxury cruises and God knows what else. But that opening scene, I saw it and I went, gee, that really reminds me of that 70s aesthetic that the mm. particular color scheme used the shape of the spaceships and so forth and i'm wondering if the the artist who came up with that was inspired by that book well probably probably those those particular icons do get replicated in the movies i think you've got a little piece of homework you've given yourself there yeah, for space brains you've got to find that book share it you know put it on our facebook instagram let the audience know because there might be a younger generation out there that has not even heard of books well, it's like, let alone, let alone an actual sci-fi I recently, architecture. I recently book saw kind of images of it on the sci-fi Reddit channel. Okay, well, share it, share sci-fi it, share Reddit. it, so, definitely. Okay, so I, I got to ask you though, yeah, how did it make you feel? I mean, you're, you're watching this movie. There's some ethical dilemmas here. So what? Yeah, what well, reckon? I suppose that's what I thought. I thought it, it, it repulses me a little bit that this is probably going to be what humans would do. You know, like we have seen these other alien invasion films where the aliens attack first. So, of course, you know, you're very justified, aren't you, in those movies, Independence Day, to send up Will Smith and blow the living shit out of them, you know? like. But this film, it's a little bit of the other one that, okay, they attack some little mining colony. And yeah, but then did they really attack? I know. It, it, was all, it was almost like, again, we the guy went out and started firing his gun, right, into the dark. And, um, uh, you know, there was something there. He seemed so idiotic, that guy at the start of the film, eh? That, well, he just wanted to get laid. That was his problem. Well, it was it was a horror movie <laughs> opening, wasn't it? It was. But he goes out there and just starts firing his gun. And again, that's... So he's firing first. Um, so, but yeah, it does, it does get me a little bit upset that probably this is, 
you know, maybe the way humans would react like this. I think culturally, you know, uh, this is an American story, American film. Hopefully the day that we meet aliens, we are a bit more maybe united as a planet that I think if you got the Chinese involved, you got the Germans involved or the European nations, I mean, Australia doesn't get much of a vote, but, you know, you've got some of those other people involved in the decision-making of going out into space and dealing with aliens that we might not just push the trigger. Um, maybe Americans are a bit too gun, you know, gun-happy that way, so it makes sense in their culture, but I think that's the thing. If you've got some of these other cultures involved, they'd be like, no, 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 we should negotiate. Well, if nothing else, in order to have other cultures involved, you have to have done negotiation. That's right, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's true, it's true. But anyway, so... The movie made me feel a bit sad that, yeah, I think humans, we would jump at it. I get that it might be a military strategy and maybe we're dumb not to, but I would kind of hope that if an alien species is reaching out to us that you'd at least give it an opportunity to have some sort of conversation yeah. first, some sort of, you know, like why would you go firing? I mean, the scientists have sent that rocket out into space, right? That sound, you know, the mm. you know they did that all those years ago. It's like the music and in that movie Contact that we need to go back and have. This is no spoilers, but, you know, like that's what comes back, you know, it comes back to us from this alien civilization. So, yeah, it made me feel a little bit. Sad that way. Um, first time you've seen this film, it's a brand new one, so I yeah, presume, yeah. Way yeah. too new. I saw the ads. Did you have a good, a favourite scene, sorry, or a scene that stood out to you? Well, I, I think the um, quantum teleportation where they, they yeah. shoot through. That was pretty cool. Suits. I love the idea that they um, the suits themselves are their spaceships. Yeah, that's cool. Like, eh? like that's, yeah. a, that's a, a great idea that mm. if you can shoot things through quantum space, time, sure, sure. whatever. Yeah, and you can also produce sort of force fieldy type uh-huh. things. Mm-hmm. Why have an entire spaceship? I mean, yeah. I can see why they've got big spaceships because yeah. sometimes you need to transport lots of people and, and big mm. equipment and so yep. on. Yeah, but uh, it's much like the uh, what do you call those uh, halo the high altitude, lower opening parachute jumps that the military mm. use. Mm. So yeah, they they have like a uh, a bomber basically fly really high altitude. Yeah, really quite fast. Yeah, and the people just jump out with maybe wingsuits or nothing, and they just the speed that they have from being in this airplane jumping out, mm-hmm. and the airplane then turns away and goes off. Yeah, actually lets them travel several kilometers forward, mm. so the airplane never crosses over enemy you know t- lines and yeah, never leaves yeah. airspace that it's allowed to fly in. Yeah, and these people are too small to be picked up on radar, so mm. they jump out and they kind of. Um, gracefully fall <laughs> to say they glide is probably a bit mis- misleading but they yeah. they fall gracefully into the following airspace but then they've got to wait until the last minute to pull their parachutes out so they don't pick up on radar and they're not visual yeah and if you do this at night time it's you know it's just these quick almost invisible drops yeah they're kind of dangerous but you can get five or six people across, across enemy border, lines yeah uh undetected yeah. uh quick mm. Yeah, I I love that idea of like, because you're saying like you imagine you're going to go out into space. Well, it's a a smaller payload then, isn't it? So these suits themselves, the science behind it makes a lot of sense because then you just need thrusters that can lift a 100-kilogram person or a 120-kilogram suit or something, you know what I mean? So it's a lot less payload to get off the planet and out into space and stuff like that. That surprised me and I think it's definitely a little gem of this film. Tell me though... um was that some of the science fiction part you like? Do you there's some other part here uh, 
that you are quite pleased with? <laughs> uh, well, look, this is a science fiction film because it's got aliens. It's got special suits. It's set 500 years in the future. Humans have got flying cars, back little back to the future nod. Uh, so there's a lot of technology on display that makes this a science fiction film. Uh, yeah, I think... I think a little bit like you, the suits were what stood out to me. I liked that when they teleported to that other planet and then they kind of zoom in through, there was a bit of a battle going on and stuff that, you know, we've seen so many sci-fi films. If you go to like classic like Star Wars, it's these big ships blowing the crap out of each other. Very traditional warfare, whereas these guys just had little suits. They were like, well likes Power Rangers, yeah. <laughs> superheroes, you know, that they just had these little sort of, it was a little bit of a nod back to like something like The Flash or something, I think maybe. And, and uh, yeah, I liked that. I thought that was a cool part of sci-fi that hasn't, it, you know, that definitely distinguishes this film differently. You know, you, you could take the other things like an alien invasion, uh, the way the aliens were, the soldiers fighting back, going to an alien planet, uh, colonies that have had fights, or, you know, like, you know, dystopian colonies because it's just mining and stuff. Um, yeah, but I liked that those suits were, yeah, something that we haven't seen much of in the, all the other films that we've watched. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, trying to remove that science fiction from here, you know, a, a cultural clash like this could mm. be set way in the past. So you imagine yeah, yeah. it was mentioned here, the Aztecs meeting yeah. Cortez. Yes. But... There was no, this is sort of, the story in this is the Aztecs went to Spain and blew it up, mm, you know, yeah. which you couldn't do in Aztecs <laughs> meet Cortez, you know, yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to have it in a, in a futuristic world. Yes, that's world right. So it where works, this is yeah. possible. Yeah. So and yeah, I think so. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so anything that you've been up to yourself, sci-fi related, fictional related, creatively? Oh well, I just recently we did have, and you've you've heard us talk about it before. We had our launch party. We had our launch. Uh, it was a week ago fa- now. Fabulously successful. It was huge. Stack success. of people turned up. Uh, I'm sure you can jump on our Facebook. You'll see some, mm. a whole bunch of photos there. There's people, some fantastic photos. People dressed up. We had yep. a, a, a fight between Trinity and Agent <laughs> um, Smith. You yourself played a little uh, cameo as Morpheus. Yes, I was. I was a less talented Morpheus. Yes. Uh, being tortured by a bearded agent. Yeah, the sonic manipulator put on a bit of a you know ear piercing <laughs> spectacular. I, uh, I thought that was fantastic. I it got was, a, it was wonderful. had a lot of good feedback for, about him, and then Furchik as well, putting on some foley work and uh, messing around with Darth Vader sounds through a snorkel of all things. And yeah, that was something that I think uh, I had, again I had a few people reach out with the feedback of that. Yeah, we had eighty plus people turn up. Had some politicians give a little keynote speech yeah, the, and support. The state minister for arts, yes, came which on is and, great because he's a bit of a um, film buff and a, and a mm. theatre nerd, so yes. that's great. Yeah, he's given us a nice little quote about us being like kind of the fundamentals, the grassroots level of filmmakers, and so that I think that's quite a good way to place Space Brains and where we can take the festival, hopefully, and and the filmmakers out there. So if you are out there, the whole point of the launch, Surrey, was what. 
was to grow and support the film industry, to spread the joy of science fiction, and also to showcase Mandra as a mm. lovely place to hold events. That's a great well-rehearsed answer there. <laughs> Something that we talked about on the night with the audience. So, yeah, and if you're out there, you can make a short sci-fi. You've still got a few months. We've got a deadline coming up pretty soon and then a, an extended deadline after that, all on Film Freeway or via spacebrains.com.au go out make a, a short science fiction film it can be any i had a question on the night how long does it have to be well the length that we're saying for short films is at a maximum 15 minutes but it could be as long as 20 seconds 30 seconds you know I, and i kind of almost dare someone out there yeah. go make a 30 second sci-fi Do film a, that that's a punk sci-fi film. yeah you know kind of kind of give us the finger a little bit you know give us something that is just a little taster and that could be a real interesting that could be a point of difference right like that could really make you step aside or like we we're just talking about this film did something very unique with instead of space shuttles the guys and girls were just in space suits and transporting across the galaxy come up with a little unique science thing you know and you don't need a big budget to do that you know you know you can do an interesting thing uh you know a, a science element yourself and it doesn't have to cost much to prove it and likewise it could be shot on a mobile phone uh, if you want to go that pathway or you know get out the big red cameras and go totally professional go for it <laughs> but we look forward to seeing that um and off off the back of this launch and the promotion and so forth we've gotten of that. Uh, I'm now currently, we got approached by a uh, feature filmmaker mm -hmm. and currently talking to uh, the two of them, there's their brothers. Yeah. Uh, to get them on the podcast to have awesome. a talk about their film that we'll, we'll watch Fantastic. and we'll go through it. They did that on a, um, they're, like, they're both in the film industry, but they've done it on a, you know, a shoestring budget. Yeah. But it, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, so we'll find out how they did that and a bit awesome. more information about that. Yeah, that's there's, exciting. There's also then there's a local the you know um, science fiction convention that's mm. getting run just before our film festival. Right. And they're interested in talking about maybe we could screen some local short films that don't make it to the awards. Yeah. And we can get someone involved in that, like the writer, director, the camera crew, whatever, come along and talk about the process of making these films. Yeah, yeah, so awesome. So there's, there's a lot of coming here which is going to give us a chance to – uh, give a bit of a, a boost, as much support as we can mm. to the filmmakers. So that, I mean, that's what that's what I've sort of been getting involved in now. Um, I've also become yeah part of the great uh, resignation. If you've been reading these news stories about this sweeping trend of people <laughs> resigning, oh yes, so moving into full time author, if, well, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that full time nice? podcaster? Yeah. Space brain organizer. Well, we, we've got to we've got to work a bit more on some of those government grants. I think if we're going to we do, that. we do. But we made the launch party definitely. I think made the right impression on the right people, and yeah, we just hopefully there's a bit of momentum from that, and the government can the Australian government we're talking about here can kind of recognise that. Yeah, we're we're stayers in the industry. We want this thing to grow, and we want it to become something special. And hey. Invest in us a little bit of seed money now, and that will go a long, long way. Yes, <laughs> I, you know, coffee isn't cheap these no, days. No, that's right. I need, you like, drink so many cups of coffee. I need at least, I mean, like, uh, you know, was it a pack of kilo of coffees? About twenty bucks. Yeah, uh, and that lasts a couple of days. But anyway, uh, so as wonderful as all of that is, let's move on then yeah. and get into this movie because it's 
it's a different kind of movie, this one. It's totally different. So, look, we normally like to go into the plot points in a particular way. Um, but I think tonight we need to talk about this film a little bit differently. Before we get into that, so just talk about, we mentioned Bruce Willis. He plays a guy called James Ford in Cosmic Sin. Uh, we then have a whole bunch of actors that, look, they're not huge actors, are they? But they've been, you recognise, like, there's a guy from Game of Thrones. Um, what's it? Frank Grillo was in Occupation Rainfall, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, MCU. And- yeah. And so, and there's also, there's another person that's, what was a TV show? So a lot of the guys here, uh, a lot of the actors and girls, sorry, I should say, I don't say guys in general, but a lot of the actors here, they've done a lot of sort of like TV and maybe smaller features. So this is kind of a big step up for them to jump onto a big film with Bruce Willis. Um, This film was written by Edward Drake and Corey Lang and Edward Drake is behind the directing chair as well. Um, And it seems if you look up like the IMDb, him and Bruce are making a whole bunch of films over this next couple yeah. of years. So we, there seems we to be like five of them. Yeah, five or six of them are coming out over the next couple of years. There was one just before this one as well. So and a couple are science fiction, and then a couple are more your traditional sort of cop. You know, Bruce Willis is a cop thing. So I'm not sure what the deal is there. It'd be great to get the filmmakers on the line on a future episode and have maybe, a chat maybe, to them about it. Maybe Bruce would like to come along. Yeah, and get Bruce on. And so we're going to have him on for five <laughs> podcast episodes. That's right. Just pay him a million dollars per episode, sorry. And he'd probably be happy to well, do that. Again, the government grants. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the budget of the of this was. Um, I'd say it was reasonably substantial. The box office has not done that well, but it is a brand new film. And I'm not sure if. Again, sometimes these films, we actually, the last film we did as well, you know, they go straight to the streaming now. So there's yeah. not really a box office. Um, on IMDb, it does say the box office is a million dollars. So I'm sure the budget was a lot more of that. But then they get money from the streaming services. So, yeah, who knows? Um, so we do traditionally like to break down the narrative into some common elements that we consider to be good story from some of the big script writing teachers and also our analysis of looking at the big films. I mean, traditionally, three-act structure breaks down into those three key parts, like a beginning, middle, end. In the beginning, we have stuff like the opening images, the theme, that really important inciting incident that is going to take the, the audience on a journey, and then also then maybe a little bit of a debate and then breaking into the second act. Uh, what happens in the second act, sorry? Well, yeah, I like to think that the second act is where we get the the, the payoff for what we're expecting. So mm. in the movie Pacific Rim, we get a lot of big robots fighting big monsters. That's like what we that's, want. That's, that's what we it. came to see. If you're looking at a, at a cop show, that's where they, they get their first leads and start yeah. chasing the robbers. And yeah, it's called the fun and games often, mm. or the promise of the premise. Mm. And I love the example actually of the first you know, the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man film, yeah, because it has a really obvious um, act two, yeah. where he's turned into Spider Man, and he's learning his powers, and he and he sort of has a bit of a play around, and he he goes to earn some money to get the car so he can impress the woman, and yeah. you know. You sort of have those awkward moments where he's trying to, you know, he, he falls over, and but then he also then manages to catch some bad guys. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, it's the fun and games. It's what we're we're going. We're going to watch Spider Man. Yeah, that sort of 
40 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is. We want to see Spider-Man. That's what we want to see. <laughs> yeah. The the lead up to it is just kind of, yeah, 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 okay. You got bit by a radioactive spider, whatevs. Yeah. Shows him swinging around and what does he do with it? Yeah. Uh, and then it, but then the second half of the, the second act is usually the, I suppose, the, the consequences of their fun and games. Yeah. Or the discovery that they haven't, learned what they perhaps should have mm. from there. You know, they were playing around a bit I mean, too much. In the Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And so the second half is where the responsibility kicks in. Yeah. Which is another reason why I like the Spider-Man, you know, Tobey Maguire one, because it has that, it's in, it's in that uh, yeah, theme stated. Very clear, isn't the, it? The second half, he has all the responsibility. Yeah. Now suddenly, you know, his secret uh, is endangering his friends. Uh, there's... Um, the Green Goblin is discovering who he is. Yes. And all of his actions have kind of put people in danger and put himself in danger. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you often then get right at the very rock bottom of that where the, you, that's the biggest pile up. And then we just, we move into Act 3 from there. So you get some sort of little spark of inspiration, which pushes into the final part of the, the movie. Yeah, and quite often that break into three, they're du- just before you get into the third act, that protagonist, Spider-Man, has to kind of go, ah, I've been mucking around, that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Now I've been more serious and, and my friends are in danger. What do I want to do now? It's a bit of a fork in the road and they need to go, ah, the theme <laughs> yep. with great um, power comes great responsibility. So I've got to kind of, I've got to really live that life. Yep. Or like in the Matrix, I'm, you know, Neo, you're the one, I'm not the one. I, I, I need to save the system that is actually working here, even though I'm not the one. Yeah. But by doing that, he's proving that he is actually the one. So yeah. it's the same as Spider-Man. Oh, I've got to kind of save my friends and be Spider-Man and be the true Spider-Man. Be the hero. Yeah. Be the hero, but there will be consequences for that. Mm. And uh, so then spider and we, uh, the audience, go, yeah, go get them. You know, like, go save the day. Go get the bad guy. Don't worry about the consequence. And sometimes in a story, not those ones, you know, the, that might mean the hero is, like, going to die. You know, they're, they're putting everything on the line to prove, you know, it could be a redemption story. Um, and there is the idea of an anti-hero story where then they do kill, like they offer themselves as a bit of a sacrifice to save everyone else, you know. And so um, that can take us into, so once they make that decision, that's when we get that final. And the finale is them having a plan of attack and whether it's a physical plan, a mental attack, men, uh, you know, a spiritual attack, whatever it might be, Spider-Man has to go save the people that are hanging on a train upside down off a bridge. It has to do that, but at the same time, he has to also fight Green Goblin and 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 also hiding his identity or whatever, mm. and all of those things. And just when he maybe is going to get the upper hand, you know, the Green Goblin throws something at him, and he has to make a decision between the train and it's Mary Jane, isn't it? In, Mary in, Jane, yeah, has out. to kind of make the decision. Oh no, more responsibility. You've got to save the whole train full of people, and then try to come back for Mary Jane. And yeah, so there's that kind of like. You know, just when he maybe is getting the upper hand, nah, there's a there's a final hurdle. Or, you know, in another film, they're, they're kind of up at the top of the precipice of a mountain and they've got to get over that mountain to kind of win the day and they don't they don't quite make it. They're, whatever, their rope runs out, whatever, and they've, now they're, it's like, oh, do I keep going or not? So, yeah, there's always that final thing. And, again, that's what makes a great story because we're wanting the hero to kind of realise their power and get to it at the end. And, and then if they do... 
they defeat the antagonist or they defeat their enemy or their mind or whatever it might be, or they win the the Mighty Ducks win the <laughs> the grand final match, you know, that kind of thing. And then it's like, hooray! And then there's some sort of final image, which quite often, uh, according to the real script writing teachers, is it should be almost like uh, bookends on a bookshelf, that it's almost the opposite of the starting image. It could be almost the same scene, but played out in an opposite way because now they've learnt their lesson and they've actually proved that they learnt their lesson and so now they're different, you know. So how many acts does cosmic sin have? Now, this is where tonight we are delving into something completely different and this will blow your minds a bit that uh, cosmic sin is probably a two-act structure, I believe. Two-act so, structure. Which I, might I sound so. a bit weird and, and, and it... It does still follow a lot of those beats that we just went through there, but it doesn't quite have the three-act structure. Now, what I mean by that is it does have a beginning, middle, end. It does have some of those plot points that we just talked about, like an inciting incident, uh, you know, a second act, uh, moving into a finale. You know, it does step through all those turns. It has a dark night of the soul. It, it, it ticks all of those boxes, but... The thing that is a miss, missing from this, and it's a big lesson, and I, you know, I'm a writer, you're a writer, we're trying to write as best as we can, I'm a filmmaker, and then you watch a film like this and you kind of go, ah, this isn't three acts, this is two, so I can learn from this. Why oh, yeah. is this only two? And what's missing is that we don't actually really know who the protagonist is. No, this, this is a, a mixed bag of... Uh, action and characters, yeah, and they're all trying to solve this same problem. Mm. But we see this this problem. It it travels along on a on a straight trajectory until it hits that wall of yeah. victory. Yes, and I would love to have Edward Drake come on and talk to him about this. Like, yeah. Uh, he's, he's got five movies crack long, so he's probably yeah. a very busy fella. <laughs> but it would be great to know, like, what what was those intentions? Because there is a there is a theme stated, and also, as I said earlier myself, like, hum- there is a warning of this film. Like, this is sort of the way humanity jumps on. So they, the filmmakers had an intention, the writers had an intention. Um, so we then therefore have a very clear plot point so just to be really very quick on it alien humans and aliens are going to have an interaction these aliens are kind of like violent themselves they want to come here and take over the planet but before they come here and take over the planet the humans in this story decide to no let's go to them and in fact let's just blow them apart to stop the war but the problem is there's no protagonist who learns a lesson there's also so therefore, there's these different characters all playing their role, and they're they are making decisions and affecting the timeline of the story. But they're not exactly as we were just talking about with Spider Man. They're not actually learning anything. No, they're, and they're not we, changing we don't, themselves. We don't see we don't see the conflicts that they have to overcome with yeah. themselves. So they just have to overcome the conflict of the aliens. Yeah. So we we start off, for example, um, in many movies, you start off. You see the opening image, which you'll see, you know, the hero. Um, and I use it. I don't use the term hero to no, indicate someone like who's mean, a superhero. Yeah, but yeah. The 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 main character of this story, yeah. Forrest Gump, for example, uh, is we see him uh, sitting on a park bench. Mm. But in any case, we usually get introduced to their life and some of the problems they're facing. Yeah. So that so we get an idea of 
what the current situation is and why it's a situation that will change yeah or needs to change mm. uh, because usually the um, protagonist will have some sort of a, a goal at that point mm. and yeah we go spider-man toby Maguire. introduced to him a bit of a nerd he he likes mary jane and wants to ask her out mm. so he, he's got this problem and he's in a situation where he's disadvantaged yeah that's the opening scene uh and in this movie here we get we come in on uh we sort of get a bit of a prologue which we is, do get a prologue like which is something so you don't your opening image doesn't always have to be the introduction in the same way so the prologue here is it's almost like a horror movie start yeah it's a couple of miners on a planet making out and the it's always the woman of course he goes oh i just heard something and the guy <laughs> is like hey, no that's just a cat and then she goes, no, no, seriously. He says, no, look, I'll you know prove it by running around out in the bushes by myself in the dark. Yeah, firing a gun. Yes, and <laughs> lo and behold, he dies. He never comes back. Yeah. Um, but then we, we pretty much cut away then to Bruce Willis in a bar. Mm. Uh, we, we know then that he's this fellow who's dropped bomb, he's committed atrocity yeah um so so some, we are, we are getting a setup here aren't we yeah. like we've we've already so we've been told that there's this other planet there's a like a bit of an alien attack mm. and we're told it's the first time humans have con- uh, contacted aliens we can cut to this bruce in a bar he's kind of like a depressed uh, isolated renegade ex-general yes and these young soldiers want to beat him up. Yes. I think he explains half... Uh, his, For being his, a deserter his buddy, or... His buddy explains half the people want to shake his hand yeah. and buy him a drink and the other yeah. half want to fight him. Yeah. And in this case, these youngsters want to fight him. So there's a bit of a, bit of a bar fight and then there's a you know, like an alarm sounds and the military police... I shouldn't have military police. Yeah. They, come, they come wandering in here with Bron yeah. from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, sort of confront James and mm. uh, indicate that he has to come along. Yeah, and the, why? Well, the current general has ordered him to come in. Yeah, you you get reinstated. Yeah. And so clearly that's of interest. Mm. So we do have this start where we're going, okay, he's got some problems. Yes. Clearly he's, um, he doesn't seem happy. No. He's either conflicted with his own history or is annoyed that he's not, recognized as the hero mm-hmm. uh, and then he's doesn't have his military rank he nope. was dishonorably discharged stripped to his rank because the things i think if you if you reach something like major or colonel i can't remember it's still in in the commonwealth armies you get to keep that rank mm. even after you leave yeah, assuming yeah. you leave nicely yeah yeah then you can still be referred to as and i can't remember I apologize ahead of time for those of you who are really good on this. I can't remember the exact rank, but let's just say it's Colonel for the mm. sake of argument. You can keep calling yourself, you know, Colonel so-and-so. And you see this in some of these older movies, say um, Poirot, where one of the characters will be, you know, Colonel Flabbergast <laughs> of Wichita House or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's no longer in the military. and He's done his service in the East India Army or whatever the hell he's in. Uh, but he still gets to be called Colonel. But he does. But that's not the case. Bruce doesn't get called no. General. And I think that annoys him. Yes. And so when he does sort of unwillingly come in with the Game of Thrones Bron guy, uh, and when they get in, they explain, well, look, we don't know much, but there's an alien situation 
and he says straight away, well, build a Q-bomb, which yeah. was which we know was the reason why he was dishonoured is that he fired a Q-bomb, which is this massive new big bomb that can annihilate stars, systems or whatever, right? Uh, solar systems. And so Bron's like, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea, I suppose. Let's go do that. <laughs> get, yeah, get, I, I mean, I actually did think, well, yeah, I mean, I think from a military point of view, that would make a lot of sense. Like you would just think, why don't, you would probably arm, get the arms ready. You should, you should. Like get your should soldiers ready, get ready. <laughs> Hope for the best, prepare like, for the worst. Like, it's not t- if anyone's on holiday, you might start saying, "Okay, everyone has to return to their bases and their their stations." That makes sense to me. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't see that as a radical step, unless it would be something that cost what thousands. I, of what I did find interesting is anyway. he meets uh, his ex-wife. Yep, and you can tell because the moment he goes in, he goes, oh, "Doctor Goss is here." Doctor Goss, and the really interesting thing is she reads from her paper she wrote mm. where she basically says. Uh, you know, her argument is if we come across aliens, the first thing we should do is basically try to destroy them hmm. as hard as you can. Yeah. Because, you know, otherwise we're going to end up like on the other end of uh, every other civilization that's encountered, you know, foreigners. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, basically the, the American Indians, the Aztecs, the Australian Aborigines, the, um, even the Indian Indians. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they bumped into the the colonial powers, which were of a higher military technology, and yeah, I like. Yeah, there's like, an argument they, there. They didn't set out to destroy civilizations, but they did. They did. <laughs> I mean, you might argue that Cortez kind of did, but he didn't really either. He he didn't sit there and go, "Okay, how do we destroy their culture, civilization, and enslave them for generations?" Mm. He was more like, "How do we get this gold, and how do we make this work out for us?" And then as it turns out, the way that happens is you introduce disease and warfare and you know, cultural assimilation and destruction. So, so we do have this set up, um, but it is in this story a little bit unsure about the protagonist. Now, there is stories, sorry, in films that are multi-protagonists. They are like an ensemble, right? Um, and that does happen. So we don't always have that, but it, it does make it a greyer and it's a harder area for the writer and um but but even in those films you've got like for example fast and the furious mm. where you've got yeah you've uh, got a bunch that's Paul's an ensemble character yeah. and vin diesel's character mm-hmm. yeah. who are sort of competing and and that concept carries through all the ones i've seen yeah, of yeah. that series where there's usually two people that are kind of uh have similar values to an extent yeah but they're on Opposite sides. Yeah. Or, or or something like, look, Bruce is in it, Armageddon, or, or Deep Impact, which yes. was similar films as in one's Aliens and one's... Um, oh, no, sorry, they're both Meteors, sorry. I was thinking then um, Independence Day. But if you take Deep Impact and you take uh, Armageddon, you know, films about meteors coming to planet Earth, all of that's an ensemble. Both mm. those films are ensemble pieces. So there is a lead uh, by memory, I think, maybe... Tia Leone's character in Deep Impact, the journalist, she might be the protagonist of the whole story, but they do also have all these other characters, Elijah Wood's character, um, the president, Morgan Freeman, they have a whole bunch of characters that they actually all go on like mini journeys yes, they, during the period of time significance yeah the story, they yeah. they each sort of the inciting incident is all the same for them the catalyst 
is the meteor coming to Earth to wipe it out? But then from there, they all have their individual kind of arcs. Um, but this film, yeah, it was a bit of a something that it was hard to decipher, even at this point, whether there was someone who was the protagonist. You know, was it that Bron character? <laughs> was it Dr. Goss? Was it the wrench general was it then the wrench the engineer person so yeah so it was a bit confusing the catalyst i think is very obvious because it's when the survivors arrive because they arrive very quickly and it's very obvious that they're under some sort of weird alien control and basically they just cause mass destruction yeah there's, yeah. there's a big fight there. there's a huge fight scene and there's a, a time clock is introduced here which, it is yeah she's like she coughs up some tracking device yes which should yeah provide the aliens our homeworld yeah, address uh, yeah which, which is pretty bad for us yeah which does then of course when you talk about decision making well it's like yeah we need to go to them then yeah, otherwise they're it, coming here we can't there's there's no time then to debate yeah. this it's we've got to take a decision yeah. an action and as I said the uh, Goss says the decision in her paper is to fight yeah and they see no reason she doesn't like being you know suggesting genocide mm. but um she still stands by her argument basically so there, i mean there isn't much of a debate but is it the debate sort of i think comes down to they all start suiting up they just kind of go well this is the right thing to do and then the, i suppose the debate between them is who's coming and who's staying and they decide that they're all going including the wrench yeah. <laughs> where she's like i've never been in a suit um, but then, so they all do that. And then even the young soldier guy is like, well, you can't just send other soldiers into space. You have to send your son or nef- nephew or whatever it is. Yeah. So they do, they all, they all fang off. And, and to me, this was the fork in the road to take it into the second act. Cause now you're like, well, yeah, there's an alien invasion. If we don't do something about it, they're coming here where we've decided the plan is we go to them. We take the fight to them. Yeah. But and see- so they jump off in their spacesuits. So that's kind of also like um, it's it's almost what you'd get in the uh, end of Act Two. Yeah, it has it's that true. same sort yeah. of feeling because yeah. from it's here, it's a plan, isn't it? I'm not sure we really have as much of a, a midpoint. Yeah, because it goes wrong pretty quickly from here. Yeah, like yeah. normally what you'd expect. So the the catalyst is at that. 12 minute mark 15 yeah. minute mark depending yeah or if it's you know batman versus superman it's at the hour and a half mark <laughs> don't get me started on how long that movie is oh my goodness me that's Zach a Schneider long, does like a long that's movie. a long movie <laughs> yeah. no this isn't anything where, like where your incontinence pads for that one <laughs> but yeah so after the 12 minute mark you'd expect yeah a good 10 20 15 minutes what is somewhere in there of the fun and games yeah this goes very quickly to turning to a bad situation yeah yeah so yeah. Um, and, that, and that's where we're sort of talking, we're sort of almost jumping through to the third act yeah. where all, you know, bad things are all happening yes. very quickly. It's and a whole bunch of action. bad, 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 bad things. Yeah. And they do take action. So this is what, we, and this is what I meant at the start by saying a two act structure, instead of thinking about it, like you're, you're saying jump to the third act, <clears throat> excuse me, jump to the third act, but it's almost like, well, no, it's almost just like two acts. So it's like. That this isn't, this is going into the second act, and then that's it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the second act is now, well, yeah, we land on this planet. Uh, we're a bit separated. Half the tri- half the group is separated. Bron is shot straight away. Um, Bruce goes off and is 
I don't know, led into some weird tunnel where maybe it's his wife, maybe he's an alien, he's making out with an alien or something. <laughs> We're not too sure. It's all blurry and uh, mystified. Uh, these other aliens are also there with him. I, I don't know, there's a little bit of a weird scene there, a bit of a trippy scene. Uh, if you're someone on your on your drugs, you're probably going to enjoy that scene. Uh, and then and then they go back to the base, some sort of base, telecommunication base. And this is where Bron is dying. And then Bruce just comes in and kills him. Just kills him. Puts him out of his misery. I suppose he, is the better way like to say it. That it. Way. Yeah. No one seems to fight that either. They seem to just go, okay, well, yeah, all right. Um, and they've lost. They've also lost a couple of them and they've lost Goss has disappeared. Um, so to me, that was kind of, if you look at it traditionally, the fun in games. But I think when I looked at this whole film, it's more like that's almost like one act and then there's another act. And there's yeah. not really, because again, because I'm not really seeing, Bruce is not really evolving. Um, the other characters haven't, the, I can't remember, what, what's, is it Ryle, the young guy? Was Ryle the, I'm forgetting his name, is Ryle... The guy up in space. Is that Ryle? General Ryle? Let's call him Ryle. Yeah. So they're all sort of, they're all just kind of enacting this plan, aren't they? So it is a bit like you're saying it's more heading towards the climax of the film. So there's sort of a chunk of the story missing here, isn't there? A progression part. Yeah, they've gone straight to, uh, we have to fight the aliens, launch this cannon to shoot the Q bomb through the gate. Uh, and then, yeah, it's like it's that's straight to the the finale there. Yeah, but the one thing that stops them then then is is Goss turns up and she's infected, oh, so she's no. now an, and she's with the aliens, and so she tries to convince. There's a moment there she tries to convince uh, Bruce Brucey back. Oh, let's get back together. Yeah, let's, let's have that. a little schmoozy schmooch. Kind of cool. <laughs> and he's sort of tempted for a minute, and then he's not tempted, and they they kind of. And then he just blows them. They start having a big gunfight. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big gunfight with that yeah. uh, ridiculously oversized weapon for that yeah. woman to be carrying around. Yes. That looks like a computer game moment. <laughs> yes, it, it does. You know, like if you're into, was it like Apex Legends or um, one of these, these sort of online shooty games, mm. it really did look like that. And I think that was the aesthetic they're going for as well. Yes. So. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I was, a, I was a bit confused exactly where we were in the plot points there as well because. She Goss turns up and they fight, but then both her and Bruce Willis are actually okay. And then they're shooting up into this portal in space. Well, it's an interesting presentation, though, I think, because the thing that this film does uh, you know, in, entice me with is this sort of presentation of this first contact dilemma. Yeah. Or And, and we, we got the initial one where it was like... Um, when the survivors first came back, they're like they're decontaminating them and they, they lock them in their room, and yeah, you know, the and Goss says, "Oh no, look, don't just immediately shoot them. Like, let's yeah. try and get something." But you know, one of the alien, you know, people held up a gun, but didn't use it threateningly. From no. my point of view, they kind of held up, looking curiously at it. Yeah, and then you know that freaked the soldiers, and the soldiers shot them. Uh, so there was that kind of thing of like, uh, you know, should we? trying to communicate with these people. Mm. Like, yeah, they, they seem to have killed our buddies, like our yeah. fellow humans, but is that, you know, how they're trying to communicate? Is yeah. that an unfortunate side effect mm. that they think we would just understand? Yes. 
uh, and, and then we have this other thing where they, they talk about, okay, well, on first contact, we should just kill them. Mm. And now we get this bit where Goss is talking with Bruce and these creatures sort of point out we are expanding through this universe. Like yeah. when we need to fight, we take soldiers. Yes. And, you know, it's sort of indicated that they, they colonize and it's not clear whether they're destructive in their colonization. Yeah, like that's right. The people who have been uh, inhabited by them or taken over, are they in fact a symbiosis or is it purely parasitic in nature? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, there is a little bit of discussion there, but we don't get enough into it because I think somebody wanted to shoot guns. <laughs> and so we got, we got a bunch of gunfights. And do you know what? That, maybe that was a missed opportunity in this story, was more like learning more about the aliens and their race and that process. You know, well, Maybe yeah. we could have gone into more about their point of view on the whole thing. You know, And if you're worried as a writer that that might then put you know, too much, you, you, you know, you kind of make the aliens sympathetic to the audience, well, then you just make them do bad shit. <laughs> but it's, 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 yeah, I think maybe there was a missed plot point there that if we'd gone in and seen the process that the aliens were doing and why they were doing it, given some sort of motivation behind it, you know, I think maybe that would have been interesting as well. It, it is interesting. And I think there's a number of movies that, that go a little bit of that way. Um, there's a movie that sort of got a bit of bad press, which is the Alien uh, Covenant. Yes. No, Prometheus yeah. is what I is what I'm yeah, yeah. Prometheus, but again, that sort of presented a couple of interesting concepts, mm. uh, regardless of how you felt about some of the scenes. But that had a couple of those concepts about what we we get a bit of idea of what these aliens from the Alien and Aliens franchise. Yeah what their purpose was, why mm. they are like they are. Mm. And there are these these creator beings that it was some sort of um, means of sterilizing Earth because yeah. it was a rebellion or something. Like it, it's not yeah. wholly told, but you yeah. can see now, uh, okay, these aliens aren't, you know, natural life forms which do this. They were created to be badass, mm. which sort of makes a lot of sense then. And, you, yeah. and by getting that little bit of insight, and that's what I do, like about that Prometheus, despite um, people not liking it so much, mm. I, actually, I actually kind of enjoyed parts of it because yeah. of that, because you get that insight. Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting idea, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so, and this one here, this movie here, uh, we've got a little bit of that, but yeah, it, it's made me curious to know, well, these aliens, like... Are they just recruiting soldiers to be soldiers, as yeah. in like a drone, or are they actually kind of immigrating them into their culture. Yeah, do they like go, well, you're fighting us, so we're going to like take your soldiers. Yeah. And that's what they're doing because it's not like they've gone and, you know, invaded anywhere else and just no, just destroyed it. Yeah. They're sort of, we, we haven't really seen much about that. Mm. But anyway, it's sort of interesting there that we then had this fight and yeah. then the, uh, the dilemma, I guess, is that they've got this... Uh, quantum portal this wormhole thing which is big enough to allow a fleet through yeah and we Whereas see humans, the fleet humans are only able to sort of shoot people through yeah you know which means that you know with only being able to shoot people through there's only so much you can do yeah but being able to send through entire fleets and they had this mm. big fleet it reminded me of the avengers movie where they had that the same thing a portal opens up over new york and there's like a a big alien fleet ready to come on through yeah, yeah. And and yeah, here enough. It's sure enough they they fire up this 
um, bomb. Bomb blaster. Cute Which, bomb. And, and they're worried because, of course, if you shoot the Q-bomb through and it detonates on the other side with the portal open, the portal's yeah. big enough to suck them in as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which... Uh, I, and, and that was kind of a, a problem I had in the Avengers, I think, as well, where yeah. they shoot missiles through this portal, but, you know, the blowback could be yeah. devastating. Yeah. But anyway, the um, yeah, they, they do. But luckily, Ryle is... You know, he he's up there off, and sac- of course, yeah. And he he does the sacrifice as a currency of soldiery. He does which is the theme he stated earlier, mm-hmm. prophecy, where in fact he goes, okay, well, I'll you know detonate my fuel tanks to destroy this ring, hmm. and they do. They do, yeah. And he he blows up the ring just as then they can send the Q bomb through. But this is then where Goss is waiting and she stops it. Um, and she does say something along that there'd be never going to be peace with these races together. Um, and Ford has snuck on board the rocket ship or whatever it is or something. Has it? Yeah, it's <laughs> and spaceshipy thing. Spaceshipy thing. And, and he kind of manually pushes her away and enables them to, yeah, the Q-bomb goes through the window or whatever it is, yeah. their portal. And at that moment, Ryle is also firing up and says his final goodbye and sacrifices himself. Yeah, ring blows up. Ring blows up. Goes up. The just in time and so the portal closes as the Q bomb crosses over and destroys this alien race. Poor buggers. They wouldn't have known what was happening. <laughs> and then we with the final image does bookend the opening. It does. We're back in the bar. And now this time though the instead of having belligerent soldiers, mm. it's just the members of the team that went through and came back. And yeah, you know, they're um, they're all happy. Well, well, cheering him on. <laughs> James Ford isn't. No. I think he's a bit happier because he's reinstated. Yeah, but he's still kind of he. Yeah, and he a does that. Grim. It's that traditional Bruce Willis like. There'll be another fight tomorrow. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like that was one alien race. There'll be another alien race tomorrow. Yeah, then you, then you'll get me back for another Q bombing. Yeah, never stops. I'm your Q bombing bitch. And that's the end of it. I mean, the the film. I will say something. There's a some really good film language in this. Um, as in, it was shot really nicely, uh, really traditionally in the sci-fi realm. Um, you get some really cool curves on the spaceships. The flying space sequences as well with the little suits was done really nicely. Yeah, the, the suits are quite um, good. I like like they should be. I, I was reading someone's comment. They said those those suits. Should star in a new film. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they should. They should go on to. to they should have film. a sequel. Yeah. The the costumes, the suits were great, but the costumes all round were fantastic. That was definitely an element that stood out. Um, there is a lot of symbolism with the colours that are that play out in the film. Uh, we also see some familiar sets, as in really when they do land on that planet, it's a little bit like uh, Endor, isn't it? From yeah, Star Wars, also, the forest. Like that's definitely there. Of that, um, Prospect. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, yeah. Like, or the like one and the and the one hundred. It felt a bit like the one hundred. Yeah, that 100 TV was show. A bit greener cast. It was. This was a bit bluer cast. This was. It was. But I don't know. I got a familiarity with that. Um, and also their yeah again with their costumes like the 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 people on the planet the mining the miners and those kind of soldiers a bit Mad Maxy a bit Prospecty you know like it's that kind of ripped up dungeony kind of effect going on when we do have that trippy scene that shot really interesting we really have an echo going on kind of a bit of a trail of bruce willis and what he's seen we don't kind of see this white shaped thing that he's 
about to make out with. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns into Goss and then it's not Goss. And uh, so that shot in a that, really, that you know. It reminded me of that um, Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker meeting himself as yeah, Darth Vader. Yeah, that's true. As a kid, that always confused me. Like he goes into this thing and there's Darth Vader. And I thought, what? How the hell did Darth Vader get here? Yeah, and then he yeah. goes, choo, 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 chop. Yeah. And chops his head off. And I think, that was pretty easy. Yeah. That's a bit early in the film to be yeah. solving that. And yeah. then the head opens up and it's Luke and I went, oh, uh, I'm eight. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, so there's a bit of sort of like a pretty coolly shot bit that way. Um, and, and I mean, there's that nod in science fiction where back on Earth, just want to say back on Earth, there's the sort of, there's the notion of uh, the wrench and her Harley, I think it is, or, you know, old school motorbike. And you're into bikes. You might, I don't know if you noticed what type of bike it was. Oh, that, was a, that was a custom yeah, bike. Custom. But- and then also Bruce at the bar. It's like a really dingy, shitty bar that, you know, like the... Excess neon. Yeah, like the people don't go to, you know, it's and so it's a bit run down and cruddy and all that kind of stuff. So there's kind of a cruddy, ultra broken world. It's not a... Nice, clean, everything ship shape and shiny, futuristic. It's you know, not Star Trek. Yeah, way back we watched that equals. You know, there's that sort of future, isn't there? The, everything's white and clean, like we're in an. Or Apple. even like passengers. Yeah, passengers. Again. We're in like a Apple store. The whole city becomes like looks like an Apple <laughs> the store. The robot bartender and passengers was considerably more advanced than the robot bartender in this. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, those spaceships were pretty different, weren't they? In passengers, so so there's a lot of good science elements in this film. It's just an it's a bit unusual that we have a two-act structure and not so much a three-act structure. But, hey, if you're out there and you watch this and you disagree with us, send us a message. Let us know what you thought about uh, how we went with the two acts instead of the three acts. Are we right? Are we wrong? Do you know who the protagonist is? Let us know. You know, if you go, no, no, it's Bruce or it's it's actually Dr. Goss, um, tell us. Tell us what we're right and wrong on. Let Give us some feedback. You can hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Leave us a review on the podcasting stuff and let us know. So what about your ladder? Now, for me, this is interesting, this one, because In Paradox has kind of been my first rung of the ladder. And I'm actually going to put this one under In Paradox. So this is going to come in as my first. So I don't know if you're out there and you're going to follow my ladder and start at number one and go all the way to the bottom or start at the bottom and go all the way to the top. But this one is, I'm putting it there after In Paradox. After In Paradox was my kind of first rung of the ladder for so long? Well, I think I'm going in there. I've got I've got this image of where out of my 60-odd episodes I think someone should watch this. Mm. And I'm thinking, if I watched Oblivion, which is the, the Tom Cruise movie with, um, you know, um, what's that guy, Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman, yeah. And, you know, it's, He's confused it's such somewhere a... He is. Beautifully written, like yeah, textbook, um, textbook three act structure. It's organized. Yeah. It's you know, it's just neat bookends. It's it's well foreshadowed, mm. lovely. And then you see something raw like this, which is like will shock your socks. And coming back out of that, then you, you watch a bit of Pitch Black, which has got mm. this really great character arc that yeah. made Vin Diesel a. Superstar, really. This is Pitch Black is what turned Vin Diesel into someone to watch out for. Yeah, yeah, because definitely. his, his portrayal of uh, you know a convict that's escaped and you know he's supposed yeah. to be real bad and he's he's quite rugged, but he, he has that very distinct mm. turn at the end where suddenly he's he's not sure of who he is. He yeah. goes, "Well, 
maybe the world isn't all bad. Yeah. And, you know, he, you could even sort of say he found God, according <laughs> to that, uh, that religious yeah. imam that was with him. So in between those two films, this film is a, a great sort of... Um, I like these palate cleansers. Yes. Yeah, because if you went Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, you know, and, and went through well, the, just those, those like yeah. passengers and yeah. Martian and so well, you know, you'd be samed out. Yes. Because as well written as these, uh, some of these Hollywood films are like Oblivion and so forth. Yeah. If you watch a whole bunch of them back to back, yeah, you it get becomes, a bit. It's like watching a Pixar marathon. Yeah. An individual Pixar film. Brilliant. Great, entertaining. Yeah. Start to finish, you get the whole idea. You, you watch do. four or five of them, and if you've got little kids, you probably have. Yeah, By the third or fourth one, you're starting to go, "Yeah, okay, no, it's too much." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one here breaks Cosmic it up. Sin right in the middle there. Yeah, It'll breaks the um, yeah the the same up, doesn't it? The routine. It, it does, and it, it introduces some interesting um uh, concepts of yeah. aliens and first contact. Yeah, definitely a different different context of that. That's fantastic. Where is it sitting on your ladder? Hit us up. Let us know. All right, so time to delve in. We've talked a lot about those science suits. I'm wondering what you want to pick on tonight with the science, Sorry. Oh, what? man, I want to talk about first contact first protocol. First contact Okay, the strategy. What, like what, Blow the living shit out of what them. What do we really do? Do we actually have anything that uh, would, would cover us for this? Has anyone yeah. thought about it? Is it in the UN Charter? I mean, somewhere in the UN, have they discussed this? Uh, yes. Yeah. And... What's the strategy? Is it is it to blow the living shit out of them? Oh uh, no! Look, okay, so let's let's go. On Send a Q bomb. Uh, the declaration. What about NASA? NASA surely has some sort of strategy in case the astronauts come across. Well, okay, so SETI has a um, uh, a permanent committee of the International Academy of Astronautics. Uh, SETI being the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, their whole idea is to get a hold of them. And so they've thought about this. Mm-hmm. So they've got the Declaration of Principles um, for Activities Following the Detection of Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Right. So there are eight points, and I'll just quickly run through it. So any person or organization detecting a signal should try to verify that it is likely to be of intelligent origin yeah. before announcing it. Of course. Makes a lot of sense. Number two, the discoverer of signal should, for the purpose of independent verification, communicate with other signatories of the declaration before making public announcement and should also inform their national authorities. Number three. So if you're having a chat, you should get someone else on the phone? Yeah, so, but someone <laughs> someone else who's kind of like in on it. Yeah. On, yeah. on this whole deal. Okay. And also your national authorities, I guess, because I, I have a feeling that yeah, governments would be a bit pissed off if... Hey, I've been talking to ET for three months and yeah, I didn't and tell you're you. Like, you're like, oh, that's kind of important for us. <laughs> we can't govern very well without knowing this. Yeah. And then number three, so once a given astronomical uh, observation has been determined to be credible as an extraterrestrial signal, the astronomical community should be informed through the Central Bureau for Astronomical Telegrams. Telegrams. I think this is a problem. We're <laughs> yes. They need to update this slightly. Well, no, well, that's what it's just called, the, the CBAT. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm joking. And it's, I'm it's, joking. it's obviously, it's how astronomy nerds talk to each other. Yeah, telegrams. It's, it's like, you know, a, a forum or a mailing list. Yeah. Uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations and various other global scientific unions should also be informed. All right, there's the UN. Yeah. the UN. And then we go uh, four, we're up to step four. We still haven't announced this. 
So following the confirmation of an observation's extraterrestrial origin, news of the discovery should be made public. Well, this is pretty standard government protocol, isn't it? It's like document the thing, talk to the thing, tell everyone about the thing within government, and then now tell the public. Well, you see, it kind of makes it's sense. a little bit different though because this is actually um, scientists coming with this, not a government. Yeah. Their their um, national authorities. That's only number two. Yeah. You tell other people. Yeah. Before you tell the national authorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got to prove it. That's what the scientists are saying. But it's interesting that here they said then all data confirming the discovery should be published yeah. to the international scientific community. And then six, should evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence take the form of electromagnetic signals? Then the Secretary General of the International Telecommunication Union should be contacted uh, and told about it. And then neither the discoverer nor anyone right. else should respond. Doing so requires international agreement. So no responses, please. No Q-bombs. <laughs> Wait. Uh, the SETI Permanent Committee, uh, they late. can continually review this. So basically, they sort of say, yeah, it's make sure you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Get some uh, other people who might have an idea to check to see if you're right. Yeah. Tell the government, tell the public. As, and also, if, if you're the discoverer, you have right to make the first public announcement. Mm. It is important to note that these um, proposed, this Declaration of Principles is not mm, legally binding no. and it hasn't been agreed to by the UN or anything. No. This is purely a bunch of astronomical observers coming up with the best idea yeah. and i mean that's the thing i mean someone could run into an alien in outback australia and not know that these protocols exist sorry well the whole thing about don't make contact is and and they point this well, out don't create a war <laughs> in their in their greater you know, discussion they sort of say yeah we say don't try to communicate back because mm. It, you know, it's the whole world you're talking about here you can't yeah, just, yeah. one person can't just take it on their own shoulders to talk for all of us yeah yeah um, because, you know, there's going to be quite a few people who disagree with them. It doesn't matter who you choose. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone would disagree with me, of course. That's, no, that's, of course that's not. Of course reason. not. But I couldn't be bothered talking to the aliens. That's why we have 7 billion but listeners the is, to space point, point four, you've made it public. And yeah. so they point out, having made it public and identified what bands these are communications are coming on, you're not going to be able to stop people from talking. Yeah. However, the strategy behind this is the fact then that you're not going to get one because if you keep this sort of secret and just give it to your government and that's it, yeah. the government might try to make communications and they're going to misrepresent everyone else. Yeah, the rest of the governments. Uh, yeah, and probably well, imagine half, SCOMO and, representing and probably us. half of their own population. Yeah, yeah. So, but this way, it's more like you've called everyone in the whole world, everyone with a bit of equipment, could start firing messages back. Yeah, and if you're at the point of view of the aliens, if you send your hey guys, we can spot you and talk to you, and you get one message back saying. Yeah, hi. Yeah, see that country just to the left of us? Could you nuke them for us? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's a certain thing. Mm. But if a few thousand, a few million voices come flying back and say, oh, yeah, hi, hey, hey, you nuke them, no, fight them, you love me, take a photograph, whatever. Yeah. Like the aliens sort of go, oh, okay, they're um, a mixed bunch. <laughs> that's right. Which is probably a good thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because what would you think if you, you know, wave to the, the, the locals on an island that you've newly discovered and just, you know, one, half, of the, half of them, one of them waves back. If one of them sort of does, you know, you know, a, a finger across the throat motion, you go, oh, they're unfriendly. Yeah. But if, in fact, you know, 100 or 200 of them, you know, all, some of them go, yeah, come on over, have dinner at my house, or, you know, just 
go away or, you know, yes, you can look, but don't leave any rubbish. You know, yeah, yeah. you're going to sit there and go, oh, okay, this is not a, you know, a, a solid front here. This mm. is, this is just a whole bunch of individuals that I'm going to yeah. have to get to know. Yeah. So it's quite good. But I wanted to actually talk That's a good about plan. the interesting ideas. So the interesting ideas of what first contact would be, because there's, there's kind of three large arguments around this. Mm. One is that if there's a galactic civilization or civilization able to move out into other planets and so forth, yeah, then just through nature of their expansionism, much like our colonial forebears, uh-huh. they will destroy us. Yeah. Um, maybe not even intentionally. Yeah. Maybe they'll just, just destroy us by the f- mere fact that they um, can take so much great advantage of us and they're so different and it totally messes with us. Yeah. The other next argument is anything that's capable of, you know, intelligent enough of getting around the place and all the rest of it will ignore us yeah. because we're not interesting. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll observe us and go, ah, oh, they're still at that stage. Mm. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Just let them kill each other yeah, for a just, while longer. And, and they'll just kind of go, that, that's, they've got nothing to offer us, yeah. really. Yeah. Not that we can't already get. So they'll yeah. leave us around. And the third argument is that they will be helpful on the idea being that if you've got them, if you've got multiple alien civilizations getting about, yeah, the cooperative ones are the mm. ones that will come to dominate. Much yeah. like in Earth's history, the cooperative governments yes. or the relatively beneficial governments are the ones that have survived longer than you know one or two generations of leader. Yes. If you look at all the 197 odd countries around the world, mm. there's only a small handful of them that are. You know, currently ruled by, yeah, what might be arguably unpleasant governments. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get that. Like, they just had that G twenty summit where those kind of and those countries are the most stable countries, right? Yeah. And so it's and they've been now stable for a couple of hundred years. So it's sort of, yeah, that argument makes a lot of sense to me. If they're an advanced civilization, they might go. They might come to Earth and go. Yeah, you guys are kind of advanced enough. We could give you a little bit of technology to sort of speed up your evolution a little bit, and then you're you're part of this G twenty in, in space. You're part of the club if you can do this and this and this, you know. And, and we can share resources and blah blah. And it's beneficial, you know. It's beneficial. Earth has this that we could use, and we have something that you could use, and you know, like that makes sense to me. Um, but the question I have though is, but then if they're that advanced, maybe they don't. Why keep us? Just annihilate us and take what's on Earth. Well, that's why it comes down to what? because there's those three ones. One is you're going to get annihilated by them, yeah. either intentionally or just as a byproduct of their activities. Yeah, they're just going to ignore us and we'll never know about them, or they'll actively try to support us in some way. Yeah, but, but then, but then again, the the that third argument again, I can think that once you've educated people, like. You know, I see myself as educated. You don't. This idea that this film, Cosmic Sin, was raising that we just bomb someone to begin with, like that's not in my creative thinking. You know what I mean? Like, well, this, cr- this once you're a, once you're forward. an educated thinker, you kind of go, yeah, sure. They might be they might be coming here to bomb us, but is there another way around this? Can we well, talk about this? this Can we this negotiate is, this? This is what's known as, as game theory. We're going yeah. to, and so there's an interesting discussion on this, which I think is that if you've got out of the dragons, we're going to ignore one of them because yeah. that's just no contact. Yeah. 
So of the other two, mm. we don't know what they are exactly. So no. we just made first contact in some way. Yeah. We we don't know. So we are have to go, how do we win this situation? Mm. How does this situation turn out at, as some sort of a positive? Yeah. Now, one way is we, you know, there's a 50-50 chance, let's say, that they'll destroy us or be good to us. Yeah. And we have to make our own response, which could be be good to them or destroy them. Mm. And if we be good to the people who be good, excellent. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a perfect thing. But if we be good to the ones who want to be destroy us, they'll destroy us. Yeah. If we're going to be bad to the ones who want to be good to us, they probably won't destroy us because they're good. They'll probably just back away and go, okay, well, we're now going to become part of that third argument, which is you're just off limit. We'll just put a little sign up saying, we'll warning, <laughs> crocodile swim here. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't bother with these guys. They're, yeah. they're lunatics. In which case, we're, we're no worse off yeah. than before. And if we be bad to the ones who are going to be bad to us, we might have a chance by surprising them. Yeah. But then like, we also could just piss them off. But it doesn't matter because they're going to be bad to us. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is if you're looking from game theory, yeah, there's okay. an argument to be said that our best response is as strong a, an assault as possible mm. right up front. Yeah. The idea being that if they're benevolent aliens, they'll just go away and yeah. leave us alone. If they're not, we might actually be able to cost them enough that we buy ourselves time or something along those lines. And if they are that G20 kind of summit, but in interplanetary idea, they might, even if we're really bad, and but if they're super sophisticated and, you know, they like you could send them a Q-bomb and they're just like, turn it off. Yeah. Like if they're that evolved, you know what yeah. I mean? And they go, oh, they tried to bomb us. Like that's yeah, pretty okay. funny. Like we yeah. get where we, we get where they're at mentally. Yeah. Uh, what else are you going to throw? I, they're throwing a diff- they're throwing more bombs. Okay. Just let just let, let them exhaust like a little child. You know, let them exhaust themselves. Oh, let's let's make one of them blow up over yeah, here. Yeah. We'll, we'll, and give them we'll, a decoy. And we'll back off, and then yeah. they'll think they won, and then yeah. Poof. But but they, but they also if they're that advanced, they might go. Well, that's okay. Let them tire themselves out. Okay. Now they're tired. Okay, now let's have a conversation. Yeah, good. Because they're just so much more advanced. They're just like, well, that, you just need to run well, your course. If you're looking at your Star so, Trek style of yeah. thing, like so the Star Trek Federation, yeah. not from the new movies. Those new movies do not paint the Star Trek Federation very well. But rather from the, the original series and Next Generation yeah, yeah. and, and the, the new Discovery, mm. uh, which I really quite like because they're really painting that hopeful future of... Uh, the Federation has been like, like you say, like yeah. they will come across a planet, and they've done this in one of their, some of their episodes. They come across a planet, and the planet responds poorly, aggressively. Yeah, but you know they, you know the, the Federation, the Enterprise, or the Discovery yeah. has some objective they've got to achieve, and they do. They work hard to find a way to get their objective without yeah. know, damaging. Even though there's a highly aggressive planet who mm. just doesn't want them there, they sort of find a way of kind of getting what they need to do without causing too much trouble. Yeah. I guess it could be like if you imagine like a massive nuclear submarine or warship rocking up on an island and but the people on that island only have spears. Yeah. And you're like and then they start throwing spears at the ship and you go and you know the general and all that go well do we just open fire on these people or do we just let them throw spears at us because no one's getting hurt. Yeah. They're just they're just tired. They're just giving us all they've got. Oh, now they're putting a rock in a slingshot. Okay, let them do that. You yeah. know, like, and then okay, they've done that. Anything else? No, that that doesn't seem to have any other technology. Okay, well, we could just like bomb the shit out of them, 
but we came here to kind of say hello to these people. Yeah. So now let's say like, hello. Or maybe they just come in to get some fresh water. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll can just we send a can helicopter we... with a bucket and yeah, dip and it just, in the middle of that pond over and there. Avoid them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. So and these yeah. people will run around shaking their fists at the sky, but honestly, yeah. it's what are they going to do? Yeah, it's the same <laughs> things. Yeah, the, the so it aliens could be that. go. Yeah. Oh, we just sort of need to come and you know get a refuel bit of, our ship. Yeah, we need a bit of that water because we've got to get the hydrogen out of it. Yeah, for some reason, Earth is where they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, they just fly with their cloaking system on and suck up a bit of water and then fly yeah. off and some fisherman goes, oh, you took my fish. <laughs> That's right. But ultimately, yeah, no one's the worst for wear. So I, I think, but it is interesting. This, it this is game theory has been thought out and and there is an argument to be made for yeah. doing the Q-bomb route. I personally don't subscribe Q-bomb, to that. Q-bomb, cube. <laughs> but I can see that if you're, if you're doing a pure game theory thing here, yeah. you could make that argument. And, it is. And it comes down to, though, if there's just one alien species yeah. dominating, in which case they will probably just kill us. Yeah. Again, not even necessarily by choice. Yeah. It just happens. They they swing past. Yes, their spaceships go past and disrupt their atmosphere, and yeah. they don't realize that we don't have the shielding technology required to preserve our atmosphere when yeah. spaceships go past, and or like bathe us in radiation or you know the something terrible like that, yeah. and they they sort of wipe us out and they go ah. Oh, Oh, oops, there goes another one. Oh, yeah. one. Or they could be, you know, hungry and just every planet. It's not that they come specifically for our planet. They come for every planet. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it is an interesting idea. I never thought of it that way. So what do you think? Should we detonate the Q-bomb? Should we? Or send up little peace flags? It's called the Q-bomb because Bruce Wells is bald and he's a Q-ball. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's, I think so. That's where he's the Q-bomb. Do we commit a cosmic sin? Sorry. I did like the use of that. They're working that in. That was quite yeah, nice. It is very nice. Like destruction of the first alien species yeah. is, you know, would be a sin on the cosmic scale. That's right. So let us know what you thought about what we thought about cosmic sin. Have we committed a sin or have we analyzed it properly? Or have we been but- cosmic? Have <laughs> let's keep going with that. Keep going with it. Whatever you want to do, I don't care. Um, yeah, but let us know what you thought about the film, what you thought about our take on it. It definitely is, I think, a bit of a lesson as a writer uh, to develop it a bit of a deeper story. But hey, if you go in for a two act structure, this could be something to model off and see. Hey, this is what I want to do as a starting point of a story. I'm not after a feature. I'm after like a shorter story, you know, and a, and a two-act structure could work quite well. So our next, that leads us into our next episode, episode 70, sorry, 70. Whoa, 70. We that, are getting old. That is, we're getting old, old, old. So that makes it a classic. And this one is a super classic by my uh, my standards. It is Donnie Darko, the director's cut. We're going to go the director's cut. If you're out there and you're following along, watch both versions. This is a cracker of a film. Yeah, you go and go and enjoy. Watch this one. Keep your <laughs> keep your eyeballs and your earballs open. Yeah, it's pretty much what launched Jake Gyllenhaal's career. He's a young teenager in this. Uh, Richard, I think it's Richard E. Kelly. I'm pretty sure by memory is the writer director. Uh, and who Maggie went Gyllenhaal. On, and Maggie Gyllenhaal. No, but she's a minor. She's a smaller character in this, but uh, plays his sister, even yeah. though she is his sister. Shock horror. Uh, and there's a lot of really good teenage angst in this. So it's oh, probably the one of the best. The soundtrack on this is fantastic. Uh, and the soundtrack is brilliant. So the director's cut um, has a few more explanation points 
Uh, there's mixed reviews out there about that. Uh, I quite like it. Um, I do like the original, but as well. So I can't wait next week when we get in and to Donnie Darko. So please give us a five-star rating, write a review, do something, thumbs up, follow, whatever, on all the podcasting devices that are out there. Get on, uh, the, get get on, on our there. Facebook page, but that's where we, we post like events and mm. um, upcoming episodes yes. and so forth. Yeah. Uh, Spacebrains.com.au, you can catch hold yep. of all of our episodes yeah. plus the, the information. festival and any yeah. other events and things coming up. And reach out as well. We've got contact us on all of those channels. We are on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hit one of them up. Let us know what you're thinking about our episodes or maybe even films that you'd like us to do. Or you're a filmmaker. Reach out. Say hi. Have a chat. Get Let us touch. know about your science fiction film. And that probably brings us to the end of episode 69. Sorry. See ya. Bye. Bye.